At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Ah, the copperhead snake. It hisses before attacking. But that's not a copperhead. That's the Sullivan's RV freshwater tank overflowing into their black one, which is backing into their vent pipe, making for a very different kind of attack. One that arrives just in time for taco night. It's wild out there. When it gets too wild, Progressive has your RV covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Adios, old friend. Yeah, I've got no secrets and no regrets. Well, a lot of regrets, but the point is I've got nothing to hide. Kind of like the way Progressive shows you their competitors' rates. You gotta put it all out there, baby. Excuse me, miss. Does this heart belong to you? Would you like it anyway? Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparisons not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Well, look, the, the Pacers have, they're on notice now, and you can play a game of chicken and say, okay, we understand where you're coming from, but if you make an all-NBA team and we can still throw that five-year Supermax contract at you, let's see if you're really going to turn it down. Or they can get as much as they can while they can. Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy, where, ah, bah, A-S-D-F-G-H-J-K-L, semicolon, question mark, exclamation mark, what? Alan, is that how you're feeling, too? <laughs> that is an acronym for a lot of really inappropriate language I can't use, so yes, that's exactly how I'm feeling. Tommy, what about you? Same. Uh, great, because at this point, I'm not sure what separates us from being coke addicts, because I feel like I've become <laughs> super, super skittish, jonesing for these NBA Twitter rumors, and refreshing my timeline, like each refresh is a new snort snort. So, uh, <laughs> I'm your host, Jonathan Hernandez, and I am joined once again by my co-host, Alan Riley and Tommy Alexander, and I, I, I can't even. I... That's all I can say. <laughs> <laughs> Every, everything AF, me AF, NBA AF, 
lit AF. AF. Oh, crazy, nice. crazy <laughs> AF. I it's it's AF everything. Um, so with all that being said, no time for hijinks and too much house cleaning tonight, as we've got a lot to get to. But real quick, as usual, please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes because. You probably have no other way to shake that rumor itch off but to physically and deliriously tap five-star, five-star, five-star on Lakers Legacy. So please do that. I said no hijinks, but quickly, let's, let's, get, a, let's get a take from Jordan Clarkson because he likely is not going to be a Laker by this Thursday. So, Jordan, how you feeling? Man, you know, I'm still feeling good. You know, I'm confident. I got my swag on right now. It's all good. Uh, I got faith that I'm going to be here for long term, you know, because I'll be, you know, y'all see Julius with his shirt off and stuff looking all ripped. You guys don't even know what I'm up to. So, uh, you know, I, I ain't tripping. But on the real though, man, I don't want to go to Indy. Uh, don't send me to Indy, please. There ain't nothing there. I won't be in LA. Yeah. Peace, peace out. You're actually going to Detroit for the number 12th pick. But thank you, Jordan Clarkson. We love you. Yo, man, I heard Detroit actually ain't that bad. Pe- oh, wait, what? Oh, Detroit sucks too? <laughs> oh, shoot. Oh, shoot. Uh-oh. Okay, uh, hold up. Bye. Later, brother. All right, let's get right into it. Before we get to the Paul George stuff, uh, obviously right before that, Boston traded the number one pick, which is Markel Fultz, to the Philadelphia 76ers for the number three pick and the Lakers 2018 first rounder, which is protected. The Celtics will receive that pick if it falls in the number two to five range next year. And if they don't get it next year, they will receive the 2019 Kings pick, which Philly got in the Stauskas trade. Actually, it's going to be either the Kings 2019 pick or the Sixers' own 2019 pick. They will get the most favorable out of the Sixers and the Kings pick, unless it's number one. Did that make sense to you guys? It all sounds the same to me. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't even know what year we're in right now. You know what I mean? It's like 18, 19, 2020. It's like, oh my god, is 2020 that soon? Oh, I guess it is. That's in like no, three yeah, years with from all now. with all the rumors going on, it's it's totally fine to not know the year. But yeah, if if the 2018 Lakers pick does not convey, the Celtics will either get the Sixers pick or the the Kings pick, whichever one is the better pick, unless it's number one. If it's number one, obviously they get the second pick. But with that said. Crazy move. Um, Tommy, would you like to explain the healthy debate we were having right before this move happened on Friday and how you were kind of getting fatigued by the uh, rumors of top five moving up and down because it's so rare and how every year we hear about how Team X is willing to trade down for extra assets and just your your state of mind going into that? Yeah, I definitely uh, wasn't expecting it. In hindsight, it's like of the team's... Uh, but, you know, all the teams who would trade up and down, Boston and Philly, I guess, kind of made the most sense, um, given where they are, sort of. Uh, but yeah, every single year we hear this stuff, and every single year it's like, oh, there's this guy who's clearly number one, but then there's a bunch of other guys who are kind of in the same pack, and maybe there's going to be a lot of trading down, and like it never happens, and like once in a while it happens. So it happened this year, and it was pretty exciting, and I think it was a very very fair uh, trade for both teams so yeah for me my I'm I'm gonna give myself some props on this because my argument was I think if there ever was a year that this would happen it would be this year just because if you look at the top five in the lottery it's pretty much been the same team since 2013 2014 it's been the Sixers the Lakers Phoenix 
Minnesota and Orlando. Some combination of that with just Boston sprinkled in like two of those years. But pretty much the same rebuilding teams have been here for this, the last three years. And so this fourth year coming around, my argument was, look, these teams have a better idea now of who their assets are, who they want to build around. They finally have some sort of core. So it wouldn't make sense for them in 2014 to trade down because those same teams, even if it was Philly and who had actual assets to trade, they still had no idea what they were working with, right? So it would make no sense to make a trade down for an extra asset because they had no idea, you know, who they were plugging into their lineup. And more so than I think the previous years, you know, year one, year two, year three of the rebuild for all of these teams, everybody is just picking best player available. And I would argue this year, more so than the last years, Sixers, Lakers, Minnesota, Phoenix, now we're kind of looking at a half and half of still best player available, but definitely taking into account fit a lot more. So that was my argument for why I think this year might be the year that within the top five, you know, we have a trade down. And if we're looking at it from an outside perspective, it's also very unique because the number one team this year is Boston, who's in a very unique situation because they won the Eastern Conference, you know, they were the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. So you rarely get a situation like that where the Eastern Conference number one seed also gets the number one pick. And so they obviously have different prerogatives in mind. They want to get an asset, sure, but also build right now and contend. So that was my argument. And I'm happy that it ended up actually happening. And and now it's it's all hell has broken loose and it's a dumpster fire. So, Alan, what are your thoughts on this crazy Sixter, Sixers-Boston deal? And, like, what were your initial thoughts? Do you like the, the deal for both sides or what's going on? Yeah, I think it's definitely fair for both sides. Um, fit absolutely plays a role. And we've talked about before that, you know, Josh Jackson is kind of that perfect Boston-type player where he's, he's known for his defense, he's nitty-gritty, um, those sorts of things. So... I mean, as far as that goes, it works. And then, you know, for Fultz, you've got that scoring guard because we don't really know what Ben Simmons can do um, as far as shooting and, you know, being like a pure scorer goes. We have no clue. Um, so Fultz definitely fits in into that mold. And, um, you know, we all saw that Joel Embiid <laughs> picture of uh, Fultz's name already up in the locker room. So he's uh. really speaking that into existence. Um, but yeah, man, when it first went down, I was like utterly shocked to be honest um mm-hmm. i was more on like tommy's side of these things just don't happen it's probably not going to go down um i definitely saw where you were coming from like out of all the years um you know recent drafts this would be the year for it to happen but again looking back historically how frequently are you going to see teams within the top five making any moves so it was shocking for sure it took a while to digest and i i wasn't even able on friday when all this happened to like read up on it until 9 p.m. Pacific time. So mm-hmm. it all came hitting me like right in the face and it, it was very confusing for a while. Yeah, so my next question is for you guys, and obviously it just seems like the whole confluence events came together to make this flash in the pan, you know, lightning strikes once kind of thing, like I said, because the Celtics are a different team at number one. But I guess, Tommy, how do you feel about the fact us being Lakers fans, that the Celtics had the number one pick and are going to trade it for number three, get an additional asset, and then maybe ship that off for like a Jimmy Butler. Are you actually happy or glad that they don't get to keep Fultz and they may end up screwing this up? Or what What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I don't really care uh, what the Celtics do. I, I get the, the rivalry and all this and that, but 
I, I just care what the Lakers are doing right now because the Celtics are the number one team in the, in the East. So uh, I, I like the move in that it was a trade that made sense for both teams um, because I think the Celtics are at a point right now where they probably do need somebody like Jimmy Butler who can help them right now as opposed to Markel Fultz. So, um, yeah, I mean, I despite supposing to be a, a Celtics hater, I, I still like the trade. Alan, what about you? Yeah, um, I, I get pretty emotional, I guess, when it comes to, like, Boston doing anything <laughs> that's going to help them out. So uh, it it pissed me off. <laughs> Anytime, like, Boston's on the right side of anything, like, seeing that they have, what is it, seven first-round picks over the next, like, two months, right. <laughs> it seems like. Um, seeing that makes me a bit envious, you know? Right. But, uh I don't know. We'll see. Hopefully the basketball gods, uh, you know, do the Lakers right. And uh, I don't know. At this point, it just seems like the Lakers, the Sixers, and the Celtics, like, looking big picture just on this huge collision course yeah. um, within the next, I don't I don't know, like, four, five, six years or something like that. Um, it's going to be extremely competitive, really fun to watch, and you're going to have all these, like, Tiffany-type franchises really rising. I mean, I guess Boston's already there in a way, but... You guys know what I mean. Yeah. And I think I think the way that I choose to look at it is I hope Celtics really screwed this up and Ainge got too cute with it. You know, like he's still going to get a good player at number three and obviously he has another asset to work with, whether he keeps that or trades it away. But for me, I'm kind of I choose to look at it as you guys gave up Fultz. You better hope that fool is not a superstar. You know what I mean? So that makes me happy. Yeah. And yeah, anytime you trade the number one overall pick and you're not getting a ready-made superstar back, it's you're like really putting yourself out there on the line because if Fultz becomes like a perennial all-star, it doesn't matter what Josh Jackson does or whatever the future pick does. People are always going to remember that you gave away Markel Fultz. Yep, and then I guess the one thing that balances that out that makes me kind of mad or kind of feel dirty is that obviously the Celtics traded for our 2018 pick. So I wanted to ask you guys... Alan, how do you feel about the fact that if we are not good enough and we somehow land in the top five again next year, Boston and Ainge could be using our pick to either trade that for somebody else or even worse, draft somebody in that range? Yeah, that would really suck. I mean, again, I think that's that's what pissed me off the most mm -hmm. was, crap, I hope we're good enough this year, you know what I mean, where we can screw Boston over and that that should give our entire organization... Not that they need any more motivation to do well, but that's going to be hanging over our heads for the next year. It'll be a topic that comes up is, shoot, you know, we don't want Boston to get a really good pick because we are, you know, having a really bad season again. So, um, yeah, that soured my take on things for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, um, before we get into the timeline of events and how the Lakers played into this, Tommy, I wanted to put, put you into the spotlight because today is RT Armageddon Day for Sixers fans who are retweeting all of these really bad takes from people in the last three years talking about how the process is stupid, how Hinky is an idiot, and how this is never going to happen. But really, the true process trusters knew that they were waiting out for a day like this to pinpoint an actual star and then go in for the kill, use the assets correctly. And if it hadn't been for Michael Carter-Williams and getting the Lakers pick, who, you know, a lot of people were like, well, Michael Carter Williams was the rookie of the year, and we don't know what this Lakers pick will ever convey. Actually, Sixers fans are now thanking God that it never conveyed because now they used it to get this deal done. And then obviously making other crazy maneuvers like the random Stauskas fleece of the century, pretty much, to get this deal done. So, Tommy, what do you have to say to trust the process and Sam Hinkie? 
Uh, Sam Hinkie trusted the process, and now Philadelphia has some good players. I don't know, you know, like, uh, it was never the issue I had with the, the quote-unquote the process was never like, oh, just being bad and getting the number one pick four years in a row is a stupid idea. That was never the problem, right? Well, the problem, part of the problem was people who were, like, super into this trust the process movement thought that that's what the counter-argument was. Like, obviously, nobody's going to argue if you repeatedly get top picks. You're giving yourself a very good chance of getting multiple good players. Um, but uh, to me, it's like, what is what is the process? And, you know, it's like, I guess for me, the, the issue was, like, for years, it was all this talking, talking about, like, oh, well, one day Sam Hankey's going to do this, one day Sam Hankey's going to do this, one day he's going to do this. But, look, for all the crap we can give Colangelo, he stepped in and did something, you know what I mean? He's like, we have all these assets, this is, re- like, let's start consolidating them, and that's what he did. He did this off of the back of Hinky. Hinky would have done this exact same deal. Well, that, that's what I'm saying, though, like, right? Like, we say that, but would he have? I don't know. Of course, it's for Fultz, dude. It's the number one pick. This is what they waited for. But Hinky's not there, you know? I guess what I'm saying is, like, there was always the argument, well, why don't they take some of the assets they have and then combine them and then, you know, move up or, you know, do something else or get a better player? And You gotta eat crow on the Michael Carter-Williams thing. In what way? In what sense? You bashed that deal. You told them why Why would they do that for the top five pick. No, I didn't bash the deal. I just thought that, like, okay, this guy just run, won the Rookie of the Year and this Lakers thing, we don't know what it's going to be. And it like it never conveyed, and if it conveys next year and we get a good player this summer, it might be like a number six or eight pick, which is like, then you're just kind of going almost neutral. You know what I mean? Like Michael, Michael Carter-Williams. The, the point is they used it, that asset to trade for Markel Fultz. If they had had Michael Carter-Williams instead, this deal wouldn't have gotten done at all, you know? Right. I mean, it's like, look, you, yeah, they made some good moves, but again, I don't, I don't understand how, I guess what I'm saying is like, they were accumulating assets this whole time. And the Michael Carter Williams thing to me, just, that was fine. And obviously everything worked out, but it just felt like the beginning of a slippery slope of like, okay, at what point does this game end? You know what I mean? Like what's the end game? And like, this was a big step towards like an end game. You know what I mean? It's like, they took all these assets they've accumulated and they made an affirmative step, you know, and as opposed to just being like, okay, well, let's just blindly take assets just because we think that this person is, you know, like the Okafor pick, like, let's just say like, oh, we're just going to take this guy because he has the perceived best value, even though he's never going to play and everybody's going to assume he sucks because he never sees the floor. So he's never going to actually reach his max value, although maybe... He had that at the time. It's just like stuff like that. But see, like the good part about what they did is that they took so many, they took so many chances on different and took so many chances on trading for different assets and consolidating assets that even with a misstep like Okafor, they're able to completely rebound from that and still do something with it. You know, and like if, if we had done the same thing throughout this process, and obviously it's not apples to apples, we had Kobe, we're LA, we couldn't have done this. But in an ideal scenario, if we had done the same thing, accumulated assets, even had our own picks somehow or found a way to get it back, like we would have been able to make a trade like this and we wouldn't be 
cap strapped at the moment, you know, with these bad Mozgov and Deng deals. So at the very least, I'm going to give credit. We're got, I think you were okay. People were fair to question it because it was nebulous for the last three years. But I will credit those people and mainly Sixers cult, cultic people for trusting it and understanding that it was always about waiting for the time to come. Obviously, it's always scary to say, I'm waiting for the time to come. It may never come. We may end up making more mistakes than correct things and obviously Sixers aren't a championship team or playoff team but they have constructed a surefire core that they can build around and then properly build on for the future without having any money committed to anybody you know what I mean so now they can use their cap space to actually add role players and the correct pieces around those guys so I'm I'm gonna give credit to the people who a year ago, two years ago, three years ago, we're like, look, we're building towards something. It's not going to take like a surefire thing. And these are the, the Lakers fans are in that exact same mode where it's like, let's be patient. Let's build on the young core, see if we can get assets. That's exactly what the Sixers were doing. They were just doing it to like a almost insane extent or like a weird, weird ass, awkward extent. But it, it happened. It like worked out for them. Well, yeah, so. but that's the point, right? Like they were, it's, it's like what exactly what we're doing, exactly what Minnesota has been doing, exactly, you know, what the Bucks were doing. It's like, this is what teams do. So I just don't understand why it was like such a novel thing. It's like, yes, if you're bad for long enough and you, and you make some good, you make the right moves, you are going to end up with an abundance of assets and hopefully you, you drafted correctly. So that works out too. But it, it's it goes both ways. Like when you don't make decisive moves, you end up getting in a situation where you have to dump Nerlens Noel for like Justin Anderson and two second round picks. So that's what I, I I liked that they. It seems like they took an affirm. They 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 were like we have all these assets. Let me take an affirmative step. And that's what I give them big time props for. That's why I said this was a uh, outstanding trade for both teams. Right. Okay, so let's move on before we get into a rabbit hole on the Sixers and trust the process. Um, the chain of events here that I think relates to the Lakers is the Lakers are actually in the mix here. The, all right, so the, here's the timeline. First, we had the Markel Fultz workout for the Lakers, which was already, you know, insane to have because, you know, the number one pick has the consensus number one has not been able to work out with other lotto teams in the last few years. So you can already glean from that that Boston probably made it known to the Lakers, Philly, etc., that Fultz is up for grabs, so go ahead and try him out, you know, for a spin. Maybe even Magic and Ainge had preliminary discussions surrounding, okay, we're willing to give you number two, and maybe Julius Randle, we need to see him work out for us first. Okay, that's what happened, that's the first thing that happened. Second, we started hearing leaks on Friday about Fultz's workouts from Jonathan Gavoni. They came flooding in like crazy, saying, Markel Fultz murdered his workouts. He also had an impromptu surprise two-on-two matchup, which he took on like a beast, and also that Magic loves him. Third, then we hear Lakers had a Randall plus number two package ready for the Celtics in order to potentially try and move up to the number one spot and pick Fultz. And then immediately after that, Philly comes in and swoops in for the kill with the Lakers' own 2018 first rounder slash Sacramento first rounder and gets the deal done. So what exactly do we think happened here? What do we think happened on Boston's end? What do we think happened on the Lakers end? Alan, I'll turn it to you. Do you think that maybe Ainge was using LA as a leverage play to get others with better assets to get into a bidding war with them? Or do you think maybe they had, he did talk to Magic and they were trying to figure something out just them two before Philly stepped in? Um, I would lean toward the former for sure. 
Uh, I think it was more strategic than anything else. And I, I do think it was a lot of posturing and a lot of smoke screening and, and things like that. Um, I, I do think optics played a huge role in this. And yeah, it's it's just Danny Ainge trying to really stronghold teams and, and get as much leverage as he possibly can around the league. Um, so yeah, that's what I think it was. I don't think it was like a, a sincere, genuine, oh yeah, like maybe we could just work this out straight up, you know? Tommy, what about you? Do you think that they may have had a deal in place and were ready to strike, but unfortunately Philadelphia stepped in? No, I don't. I definitely don't think they had a deal in place um, because there's no way. I mean, it's at the very least Boston would have waited to see if they got a better offer. I don't have really that much doubts that an offer was made uh, involving the Lakers in the number one pick, but we'll just never know like what the actual timing was of everything like did the lakers make that offer did boston think you know because of all the lonzo hype that the lakers would be desperate to trade up to number one so the lakers had to bring in Fultz for the song and dance to be like go ahead and take lonzo to number one because we'll just draft Fultz anyway but I, you know i just i don't know what it was um but uh yeah it's been uh, extremely extremely confusing following this entire process. Yay, go Palinka, confusion, chaos. Woohoo. It's working. Nobody knows what's going on. Um yeah, I I I think right now Rob Palinka just has like 10 Rubik's cubes in front of him <laughs> and he'll like twist one of them for 5 seconds, put it down, twist the other one for 5 seconds, just kind of rotate through all of them while listening to some really crazy techno music. <laughs> I, Alan and I were joking on Friday that we feel like uh, Rob Palenka has one of those, you know, tack boards, those huge tack boards with all the pins and then all the different strings that like, you know, go every which way. And he's just trying to connect one string to the other and like flipping them back and forth. And it's just, you know, beautiful mind kind of thing going on. Um, but I wanted to ask you, Tommy, what do you think of this theory that, you know, people were wondering, well, who's leaking these Fultz workouts, you know, details, you know? It, it's clearly not the Celtics because they weren't at the workout. So it was either Fultz and his agent or the Lakers or both, right? So what is the point of leaking that Fultz killed his workout, that Magic loves him? Do you think, because in my opinion, and it kind of goes in line with what the Lakers have done, where just today we find out that there's this article by Kevin Ding that came out that said, oh, just conveniently after the Philly-Fultz deal got officialized that yeah, the Lakers would have drafted Lonzo anyways, even if Fultz had been there at number two, right? I feel like it's a little too coincidental and convenient that if they really felt that way, then why didn't they just say that on Saturday or Sunday? I feel like they were just waiting for it to be out, like definitely 100% out of the picture that they couldn't trade for Fultz and then go back to reassuring now their surefire number two pick Lonzo Ball that he's the guy all the way. I feel like on Friday when all that those tweets were going on and that leak was happening, that because LA is such a pro Lonzo Stan crowd, um, I felt like LA, the Lakers had to control the narrative a bit because even if they were just thinking about trying to trade for number one, they had to at least make it worthwhile for Lakers fans to think about because it's hard for Lakers fans to even think that Markel Fultz is better than Lonzo Ball, you know? And in the case where we trade for Lonzo or Markel Fultz, we're not only just trading for him or trading away Lonzo Ball for him, we're also trading another asset in Julius Randle. So it would take some convincing on the front office's part to get, you know, Lonzo LA fans on board, you know? So I feel like that's why the leaks happen. And it was like, you know, Fultz did amazing, killed his workout, Magic loves him, Lakers are prepared to, you know, potentially move up to number one. And then all of those things stopped right when Philadelphia entered. So Tommy, do you think there's any 
bit of truth to maybe that smokescreen going on there with Fultz's glowing review. Yeah, I think that was a really good explanation. That was very complicated, but very <laughs> good. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't actually, like I, I've been saying this whole time, it's been such a complete circus with this, uh, with the media. S-show? S S-word <laughs> show? It's been an S-word show. <laughs> so, yeah, Cluster yeah. F? Cluster F, exactly. Cluster AF. <laughs> yeah. So we'll never actually know, but one thing I do appreciate is I think Rob Polinka just generally sees the value in creating confusion, even if you're not going to ultimately do anything. It's like, I think I tend to agree with you that, yeah, Fultz, he would have been totally fine taking Fultz number two. I think he would have been totally fine taking Lonzo number two. I just think that, like, he... It never hurts you to create mass confusion around what you're going to do at that spot because it sort of makes it like intriguing because then the teams like one team, two team, three teams under you, like they aren't able to plan as well as if they know, okay, we know Fultz is going number one. We know Lonzo is going number two. Let's break it down the rest of the picks until ours. If you have no idea what the Lakers are going to do, it makes the pick that much more valuable. So um, whatever they did, I give them props for it. But yeah, I think it was, it was all just, it was all smoke, but I like. I do think your theory is probably pretty close to the truth. Alan, do you have any thoughts on that? No, nah, I mean, <clears throat> in terms of like leaking all the Fultz information, I'm sure the Lakers really, really loved him too. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Like, I definitely get the PR stance. How you want to like reassure the fans? No, this is the right thing. Don't worry about it. At the same time, like Tommy said, I think Palinka is just gonna say a whole or the Lakers as a whole are going to say a whole bunch of stuff. And I don't even think it's totally disingenuous. Yeah. Like I'm sure they love faults. I'm sure they love ball. So let's just say all those things. And if people really want to read into it, like that's their fault. It's, it's the truth coming from our end. And I think that's like, there's nothing wrong with that. Sure. Okay. So let's move away from the draft talk for a second. And the number two pick, because I think the one thing we can hold on to is the fact that, even with all the drama and crazy NBA rumors and GMs getting fired left and right and stuff like that going on, that at least we don't have that much drama regarding the number two pick. It's going to be Lonzo Ball. And we've heard rumors that teams tried to trade, you know, actually, we heard rumors that the Lakers tried to trade down or were exploring the possibility of trading down to the number three pick with Philly to the number four pick with Phoenix, hoping that Lonzo Ball would fall there and they could get an additional asset presumably to you know take advantage of this Paul George situation as well so as you guys said I love that Palenka and this front office is not afraid to do all of these different moves and not sit on their hands and explore these opportunities and be forthright with it you know so I'm glad that they're using the media as a conduit for whatever they want to pump out there even if it's contradictory because like you guys said it's creating confusion when one on one day they're saying this that's the next day they're saying something different but who cares you know they know for sure for themselves what's going on so i'm glad that they're trying all these different avenues to better themselves and not sticking to just one plan as rob palinka said rubik's cube so moving away from this a little bit and going straight into paul george we've been joking about it on the show for so long pretty much speaking it into existence the fact that we're ready to ride the matterhorn and it's a small world with pg at disneyland but who knew we were being tame in comparison to what PG and his camp just leaked this weekend? Essentially putting Pritchard and the league on notice, pretty much saying, 
I'm going to play my last year in Indiana out, but I'm leaving for Los Angeles in 2018. Blatant words from his agent Mintz. And now here we are, mass chaos, dumpster fire. What do you guys think about all this? And, you know, feel free to just give like a quick two sentence remark because we're going to break it down individually. Um, I think as for me, I think Lakers have geniusly reported that they intend to give up nothing for Paul George on the outset. You know, Ramona Shelburne reported that, which I think is hilarious. Immediately after, Woj reported that Pritchard has begun engaging teams for the purposes of a Paul George rental and have yet to engage the Lakers. Which makes a ton of sense, in my opinion, because there's no way, number one, that the Lakers don't engage at some point. So them saying that they don't intend to surrender anything is just pure gamesmanship. Uh, they start at literally they start at literally zero by saying this, so they can end up at worst at the bargain deal they want Indy to accept. Meanwhile, on Indy's end, they're clearly desperate right now to regain any sort of leverage they can, whether that means using the Cavs or Boston as smokescreens to get LA to up their package, which is why they haven't engaged the Lakers yet and are trying to find any takers so that they can make some sort of bidding war. So, Tommy, what are your just overall thoughts about this Paul George explosion and mass chaos? Uh, this has been like, I think one of the craziest days in following all this crap on sports, uh, since, I don't know, like we were trading for Dwight Howard and all the rumors that were just constantly flowing in in the days leading up to that. Um, yeah, it's been insane. I, I think we've talked about it a few times, um, like on previous episodes, but we always said from the very beginning when these articles first started coming out, like even during the NBA season, we always said, the only way we're going to have any chance of getting Paul George is if his agent is aggressively telling everybody, go ahead and trade for him. But I'm just going to tell you right now, there's this is not like a trade for him and try to woo him type of situation. Like if you win the championship, he's still going to Los Angeles in 2018. And we said literally that's the only chance we have of getting him because if anybody even thinks they can remotely try to do that, they're going to be able to beat any offer we could reasonably give up. And we were saying stuff like, oh, I'd give up the number two pick, but I don't know if I'd give up, you know, Brandon Ingram also. And it's like now it's such a joke to think <laughs> that we ever thought that because we have Indy completely by the balls yeah. here. Um, they have to, like, what are they going to do? You know, nobody wants to trade with them because it's a rental. And of the teams that can make a rental offer – we know we have an ultimate package that could probably beat anything anybody else can offer, but we're starting even lower than that and just waiting to see, like, <laughs> when will they finally bite? Like, I God knows what the offer is, and we'll talk about it in more detail, but I'm just like, it's it's pretty insane. Exactly. And, you know, to be fair, back then when we were proposing those things, it was a very low possibility in our minds that his agent would actually say, Paul George is going to be a Laker. Do not trade for him. And if you do, he's going to be a rental. He's leaving for LA anyways. You know, we never thought, we've never had a situation where it's been that blatant. You know, uh, media guys like Woj will say that, but it's never, it's very rarely ever come from the actual player and the agent himself, which is what makes this situation so unique and so crazy and so heightened. And which is also why Pritchard is pretty much imposing a timeline on himself. We'll see if he follows through with this, but it makes a ton of sense to get a deal done by draft night, because by then, you know, if he gets some picks back, he's going to want to make those picks for himself and start the rebuild as soon as possible instead of waiting. Um, So with that said, Alan, I guess 
I wanted to ask you this question. While I'm sure Paul George's sentiments on playing for LA are clearly genuine, is there something to him also leaking this info to the fact that he could also simply be using LA as a leverage to get other teams, especially contending teams like the Cavs and Boston, to trade for him while also lessening Pritchard's leverage so none of those teams have to give up literally anything to do so? Or do you think this is just really a ploy solely for him to get to LA as soon as this summer? Or could it be both? You know, he may just want to get out of Indy no matter what, try out a rental in, on, to another team for one year and then still walk to LA or even win a championship with that team. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, uh, the really optimistic and trusting side of me wants to say it's 100% genuine. All he wants to do is come here, and that is it. Um, I I do think, and I'm going to use kind of the cop-out answer that's a little bit of both. I'm sure he really does want to play here, and that it, those are his true intentions. That being said, you know, if he got dealt to a contender for next year and had a real chance to win... I mean, he's not going to be upset about that by any means. Now, as far as what happens after next year, let's just say, like, if you were on Cleveland, even though they're a complete mess right now, um, you know, we don't know what he's going to do if they make it back to the finals. Um, and I'm sure he doesn't really know what he would want to do either. He could only lean one way or the other here in the month of June, <laughs> where the playoffs just ended. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I don't know. I think... It's like, I don't think it was his ultimate plan to say this and be like rubbing his hands evilly together and be like, ooh, this means I'm going to end up with a contender right now. I really don't think that's it. But he's not stupid. Like, he understands that that could be a byproduct. Um, And it's almost like like the worst case scenario is I end up with a contender and they don't give up anything for me. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, like, what? that's not such a bad thing at all. And I just have to say, like, my initial reaction, and again, this goes to show how potentially naive I am and just optimistic and trusting in people. I was like, wow, he's so transparent. What a great guy <laughs> that he would just say, this is what's going through my head right now, the entire world, you know? And then it took a little while to be like, ooh, or there could be something else going on. Um, so yeah, that that was my initial reaction, was just pure joy and ecstasy. <laughs> Ecstasy. We're doing ecstasy. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but Dude, I told you, weird techno, Rubik's cues, they're colorful. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> you crazy kids. All right, Tommy, let's get into what Alan just said in terms of, ooh, there could be something else going on. Because we talked earlier in our Facebook message group about how you think the order of events came down here. Because, you know, just a week ago, Paul George was saying, I intend to play with the Pacers and my, my desire is to win a championship in Indiana. So how did it spiral so fast? Tommy, do you want to explain? Because you had a theory about PG catching wind that the Pacers are up to something and he wanted to, you know, do something about it. Yeah, I mean, I definitely have a theory. Obviously, I have no idea um, if this is actually what happened, but this is just what made sense to me. But I assumed, because this was literally like three days ago that Paul George made this like very public statement. I can't remember where he was, like at a WNBA game or a baseball game or he was interviewed on like TV that I can't remember. And he said, I play for the Indiana Pacers and I intend to finish out my contract there. And he's like clearly trying to like save face and like look, look like a good guy. Right. So how can that go from that to three days later? No, actually I want, I want to be traded, trade me now and tra- only trade me to the Lakers. And my only explanation was they had some sort of like mutual understanding, like, look, this is the situation. I don't want to make it into like a big circus. I want to go to the Lakers and I want to go there in 2018. And you should like tell everybody that. And 
I'm just telling you, trade me now because I'm about to leave and I want you to get something out of it, but I'm only going to the Lakers. <laughs> and, uh, and I think that the Lakers caught wind that that's what's going to, was happening because like Mintz was telling everybody in the media, like, Oh, the Lakers, nobody should get their assets for uh, Paul George. And yeah. And then I, my only, the only way we could have gotten from that point to where we are now is if at some point in the last three days, Paul George caught wind that like, oh, Kevin Pritchard is like trying to actually drive up my price by like calling around and saying like, hey, it's a rental. But I mean, I don't know what he was saying, but maybe he was saying like, hey, you know, it's going to be a rental, but I don't you never know what happens. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If he was saying stuff like that then that could like drive up the price. So then all of a sudden it was like this bombshell drop, like, no, 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 everybody just FYI. It's not, a re- it, it is really a rental. I'm going to LA in 2018. I will sign the contract. My intent to sign there in 2018 right now, if I could, like, that's basically what he had to say. Right. And um, sorry, just, and it seems like that's just, yeah. And ahead. just to jump in, I think, I think if it were up to Paul George, you know, the preference that he wanted would have have been to have him stay in Indiana the entire year, play it out, and then just leave, right? That's what he would have wanted to do. But I think because Pritchard was probably, you know, on the back channels trying to find a deal for him just in case, Paul George, like you said, may have caught wind of that. And because, you know... Pritchard's the GM. He could trade Paul George anywhere without his consent, right? And Paul George doesn't have, like, an explicit no-trade clause. So if Paul George hears, oh, the Pacers are trying to trade me somewhere, I better make sure I know where it is. And if if I still get traded somewhere, I better make sure that those teams literally give up nothing for me. So that's this is pretty much Paul George trying to take control of his fate and pretty much slamming down a an implicit no-trade clause so that he can kind of steer where he ends up, i.e. mainly the Lakers, but also if another team like the Cavs or Boston um, want to throw some assets down, then at least he can go to a contender. But who knows if Pritchard was even approaching the Cavs or Boston, right? Because they're in the East Coast, they're in the same division. Why would he do that, right? Dude, I'm, I'm, t- I'm telling you, Paul George is just such a nice guy. Like, <laughs> he's doing everything in such good faith. Like, no, don't trade me there. Team X, you're going to get screwed because I'm going to be gone. <laughs> don't freaking do it. I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. I just want to be a nice guy and go back to LA. He's so good. That's Paul George, man. He's such a nice guy. He's probably the nicest guy in the NBA. What a transparent and positive spin on things, Alan. But um, yeah, I mean, we can... We can... Dude, I swear, that's probably what it okay, is. Okay, okay, I believe you. But let, let's talk about that, too, though, because... Obviously, there's some gamesmanship here and smoke screening going on. Paul George, Mintz, Palinka, they are pretty much, you know, spinning this the way they want it to a T. And there are even some reports that Pacers fans want to to file like a tampering report or the Pacers to file a tampering report you know, to the league because this is too crazy. And I actually tweeted out before, you know, as a joke, I was like, I wouldn't be surprised if five years from now, we get a book about Palenka, Mintz and Paul George and the tampering that went on. But hopefully it's not like college football where they can take away our NBA championships right after the fact. But it's just funny because it's crazy how well they've done this. This is like masterful house of cards kind of stuff. The negotiations, back channel dealings that are going on. And because Mintz is the agent for not only Paul George, but D'Angelo Russell and Julius Randle, you have to imagine that there are some back channel discussions going on. You know, they know at least sentiments, quote unquote, of who Paul George wants to play with, who Paul George doesn't want the Lakers to give up, et cetera, et cetera, right? So even with that said and all the savviness that goes on, what what do you guys think about 
Paul George actually just being transparent. On the one end, we could be cynical and say, that sucks. He definitely lowered Indiana's leverage. But given the fact that we just had Kevin Durant leave his team with, uh, you know, no warning and left them with nothing, isn't this a good thing if Pacers, if enraged Pacers fans just take a step back, if the front office takes a step back, that Paul George actually gave them notice, was transparent right before the draft, right before all these crazy things could have gone down where they made their picks or they maybe even trade their number 18 pick to a sewage Paul George's concerns about them building a contending team around them, right? Don't you think that Paul George may have also done them a huge favor by letting them know his intentions now so that they could move accordingly before the draft and free agency? So instead of them trading number 18 to another team for that team to take on Al Jefferson, well, now they can actually keep number 18 and use it as a building block for the future. Instead of them signing like Danilo Gallinari or Drew Holiday in free agency and overpaying for that guy just to appease Paul George, well, now they don't have to use that cap space at all. And maybe they they get a trade from another team to take on salary, but also get another pick or a young player, right? So, Tommy, what are your mm-hmm. thoughts on that and just him doing them a favor, even though it doesn't seem like it? Yeah, I 100% agree with that because I think people view it so much from the angle, which is fair, but like the obvious angle of like, oh, now that he said this, he literally made himself valueless. So that's like completely BS and like we're not going to get anything for him and that's so not fair. But no, like exactly like what you said, the big thing that people ignore is he saved them in terms of thinking that this is a guy potentially that they could build around for the next, you know, five to plus years, you know, so he told them right now, I'm not going to be that person. So figure it out. So now, like you said, they didn't go burn their number 18 pick to try to trade for somebody who was ready to win now. So they could try to appease Paul George. They didn't try to, you know, consolidate other future assets or do something crazy, like trade miles Turner for like a more established veteran Mm -hmm. to try to appease Paul George. Like all that stuff is beneficial. And it happened because, you know, that they, they, that's what they did. I mean, sorry, that's what, uh, uh, because he said that, like, none of that stuff is going to happen now. So that's a good thing that can't be overlooked. And I think people are definitely overlooking that. Yeah, I think once people let the emotions get out of the way, they'll be able to take a more calm stance and be like, oh, this could have been worse. So Alan, what are your thoughts? And wouldn't you, you know, we experienced a scenario like this before where, you know, if we could have Dwight Howard tell us, hey, guys, I'm actually leaving this summer, get whatever you can for me. Wouldn't you wouldn't we even be in a better situation? Because we still would have re- been rebuilding. So we likely would have still had D'Angelo Russell, Julius Randle and all these guys. But maybe we get even just the bottom barrel deal for Dwight Howard in terms of maybe we get an extra first round future pick or a role player that we could be in even better shape now to have assets. So your thoughts? Yeah, of course. I mean, Initially, because we're all human and we're emotional, we're going to be like, oh, screw you. You suck, man. And then after a little bit, be like, oh, actually, he did us a huge favor. So, you know, really, Paul George doing this is like just demanding a trade. He's like, I don't want to be here anymore. Get something for me while you can. The only problem is he qualified it by saying, I'm going to go to L.A. (laughs) Like that really did take a lot of Indiana's power away. Had he just said, I'm not going to be here after next season, I'm going somewhere else and keep it ambiguous, that really would have been doing Indiana a huge favor. Whereas by saying I'm going to L.A., it almost negates it. Right. You know what I mean? Definitely. Okay, so let's move on into this discussion. Um, So what if, as reported, Pritchard and Bird are petty AF and don't want to give Paul George his wish? 
Tommy, what do you think the what do you think will happen? Do you think that they could possibly, even if the Lakers have a slightly better package than whatever Denver's offering them for for Paul George, that you know Pritchard's like, you know what, I don't care, you're not going to L.A. Spend a year in, with Denver, and it, you can walk if you want to, but they're giving us a uh, Will uh, Will Barton. We'll take that. What do you think if that happens, or do you think <laughs> Rob Palinka is just you know going to call his bluff? Um, I think he's going to call his bluff because look. I don't think, first of all, what's what's a better package could be very subjective, which is fair. Um, and we have no idea what the Lakers are actually offering. It's possible when they say they're offering nothing, they literally aren't even offering Randall. They're just offering like Clarkson and a future pick or something. Like we have no idea what the current offer is. So if they get something very similar to to that from Denver or something, I can totally, totally, totally see them trying to use that to spite the Lakers. I just feel like it's kind of a scary outcome actually, because we won't really know until probably, I don't know, Wednesday, because I think they're just going to wait until Wednesday and see what the best poor offer is. And then all the other things being equal, I think they would choose another team just to spite Paul George. Mm -hmm. But I mentioned this earlier uh, when I was talking to you guys, but uh, I don't think we said it on the, on the episode so far, but I think a big thing that can't be overlooked is yeah, you get the urge to like, be petty in situations like this because you feel like he's kind of screwing you over. But at the same time, you're trying to develop a reputation for yourselves as a front office. Um, and you have been presented with this really bad situation. And that's not to say you just need to like bend over and take it, but it's to say like, you should at least, um, you should at least like try to give the appearance of profession professionalism. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You want to handle it with class as they'd say. Yeah, exactly. Like nobody will, I mean, everybody will agree. This is not a, a great look and not a great situation to be in, but it's also about how you react to it. If you, if people know that the Lakers have some reasonable assets that maybe through reasonable negotiation, they may be willing to part with, but like knowing that it's going to be a rental, you just traded them to another team for a, you know, or maybe about the same, you can argue it's about the same, but like, why did you even get this up now, bring this other team into the equation? Why didn't you just like handle it professionally and just get something done instead of like complaining? Right. And you know, Palinka's definitely going to let it leak what our package was, if it's for sure better than what the Pacers got, you know? A hundred percent, hundred percent. And on top of it, it's not just about, you know, future GMs who are going to be wary of dealing with Pritchard in the future, right? It's going to be star players who want to come to Indiana or who Indiana's courting. They're going to say, Wait, you were super petty AF about that Paul George thing. I'm gonna I'm gonna think twice about signing. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, it, yeah, agents, players, other front offices, like people are gonna take notice of that. Exactly. So we are in good hands here. We are in the position of power, position of leverage. Now, Alan, if there's one obstacle or competitor to the Lakers' efforts to trade for Paul George, what team do you think it would be? Cleveland. Well. God, they just fired their, or not fired, they didn't renew his contract. I mean, shoot, I don't know now. I mean, I still want to say Cleveland, but God, if it's not them, I, I really don't know. Yeah, so there's a bunch of weird stuff going on in Cleveland right now. Dan Gilbert did not renew David Griffin's um, contract. They're letting him go. And this is with news that just literally a few hours ago before he was let go, David Griffin was working the phones trying to make a Jimmy Butler deal happen. Right? What a poor guy, dude. <laughs> like, I don't want to go down this rabbit hole, but why the heck didn't he just tell him I'm not renewing your contract like a week ago when they lost in the finals? It's Dan Gilbert, like, why bro. 
like he just wanted to give him a chance to like get something done, but he was probably going to like not bring him back anyway. Uh so messed up. There's no good faith in that. There's definitely something fishy going on because it's it's super weird. We just don't know right now, but given that now it seems like this Paul George thing to Cleveland for Kevin Love or whatnot is up in the air because and the Jimmy Butler stuff is up in the air as well because I think Griffin was probably trying to make this deal happen. It wasn't just a smokescreen and the Pacers were, you know, using Cleveland as their one leverage lifeline. And now that's kind of up in the air. So with that said, is there any other competitors out there? Because now LeBron James is... Um, Future in Cleveland's in question. There were already rumors that he wants to play in L.A. after this next year. His family, his wife wants to live in L.A. for the foreseeable future. Um, This doesn't help that. You know, LeBron's not happy that David Griffin's gone. Um, So, Tommy, like, is there a realistic contender for Paul George here? Do you think the Celtics will be able to just, you know, come up with some ragtag package and be like, hey, take Terry Rozier and uh, Marcus Smart? And there you go. We'll, we'll we'll take on that rental for Paul George. Or is there any other you know unforeseen team that that could come in here and make it interesting for for Pritchard? I think the answer is no, and I think that's why I was just saying earlier, like we just have them so cornered. You know what I mean? They they have to because no other team who can offer a package that would be it's not the issue is not is there another team who could beat our package there are like 20 other teams who could beat our package of what we would offer knowing what we know now and like where our team is and age-wise and where our roster is there are like 20 teams who could easily beat our offer but how many of them are going to make that offer you know what i mean like none of them like any team that has the players to beat our offer would not offer those players because they know it's a rental so yeah, could Boston throw together like Terry Rozier in some weird package? Yeah, but Indy's going to look so dumb if they didn't take Jordan Clarkson and like a future pick or, you know, even throw Randall in there. Like, it, it, there's nobody can beat. This sounds like a horrifically, horrifically low volume uh, package. And it is, don't get me wrong. But Julius Randall, Jordan Clarkson, and a number one pick for Paul George is in no, in, in no universe of fair trade. But what team can beat that trade and would actually do it? And I think the answer to that is none. Right, for sure. And, you know, I threw out, you know, maybe Philly should get in here because it seems like they're going in all all, all in now mode, you know, and adding Paul George to that core of Markel Fultz, Simmons, and Embiid would be crazy. And then, and I, and I was going to say, they have some pieces that they literally legitimately don't want in Okafor. So let's say they package Okafor, Luwawu, and a future second rounder or whatever for... Paul George, would they do that? And, you know, the question mark is you're still taking a huge risk that Paul George would see exactly. enough promise in Fultz, Simmons, and Embiid to stay. And given exactly. given the fact that Embiid and Simmons are coming off injuries, you're banking a lot that those guys will stay healthy and prove to Paul George this is the core he wants to stay with, right? Well, yeah, that and also, like, the guy is basically telling you if you build me a statue outside your stadium, I'm still going to leave <laughs> next summer. So, like... I guess, yeah, you're hedging on that. and that's But that's another example. Philadelphia could trade for Paul George and beat our package without even, like, batting an eye, you know? But the thing is, they're not going to... Like, what rational person would do that for one year? It's like, if you know with a 100... I think part of it is you always have this, like, feeling in the back of your mind that, oh, maybe he's, like, not being totally serious about that and maybe he actually would stay. But if he is telling you 100%, I am not going to stay... 
Like, Ben Simmons has never played a game in the NBA. Markel Fultz has never played a game in the NBA. Joel Embiid has played 30 games. It's like, what what do you gain from that? Even if you're just, like, throwing, like, old garbage away that you, you weren't going to use anyway, like these assets that you just have accumulated that aren't going to do anything – it's just going to be this one awkward year and all these guys development where Paul George is kind of there for a year and then he just bailed. It doesn't seem like that would bring like good chemistry and good vibes to the team. Yep. Nope. That makes sense. And as has been reported before, Paul George is the type of guy that is very concerned about his legacy and he wants to be the dude that leads LA out of the darkness and into the light. Right. So um, let's move on and just talk about, yeah, what does the final deal for Paul George look like if the Lakers do engage? And it's been reported that the Lakers are going to take their sweet little time and wait till there's even an offer from another team. And then they'll jump in or as Jake Pavorsky on Twitter said, we'll parachute in and make a counter offer. But what does that counter offer look like? Because we've also heard some rumors that the Lakers are looking to get another late lotto pick. How realistic that is and them getting that is another question. But, you know, Sam Amico also reported that they've already engaged with the Detroit Pistons for the number 12th pick. I don't know how true that is, but let's say they do get a pick in the 10 to 12 range, I would assume at the very least it would take Jordan Clarkson and their number 28 to get to that spot, or even Julius Randle and the number 28 to get to that. So do we think that they're doing this to trade it for Paul George? So essentially the end deal would be, and it almost becomes a pseudo three team trade because you're essentially shipping out what you would have anyway for Paul George, but sending assets to a third team and then allowing Indy to get what they'd prefer, which in this case would be another lotto pick. Um, Jordan Clarkson, and maybe we add in like the 2020 first round pick, our 2020, which is the first pick that we can trade um, because of the stepping rule. So, um, Alan, what do you think about them looking to get another late lotto pick? Do you think that they're doing this solely for Paul George, or do you think they're also doing it, you know, just to get a guy in that range who could fit their team better, even if that means, you know, having to trade Randall? Um, I mean, I heard the first report, I think it was from Ramona Shelburne, and she said, yeah, they're doing it so they can get some really good shooters and things like that in the uh, late lotto, but I, I don't think that is really the case. I do think it's more for a package uh, for Paul George, if that's something that we want to offer. So uh, for that, I, I really do think it's just posturing. It's just them, you know, putting up that smoke screen and that sort of thing. Right. Uh, Tommy, what about you? Oh, sorry, I was on mute. Um, sorry, what was the question? Oh, so I was just asking about the Lakers looking to make a trade to get into the late lotto round, like 10 to oh, 12 yeah, pick. And right. if you think they're doing that just to do it or whether it's going to be, you know, eventually rerouted for the Paul George trade. Or could it be both? You know, they could deal. It could. Yeah, yeah. No, I got you. Now. Yeah, it definitely could be both. I think it's really interesting. Um how they're being so active on like so many fronts. Like they were kind of involved in like the Markel Fold situation. They pivoted to um, focusing on like potentially a trade down and working out Zach Collins at the last minute. They've, you know, been dealing with the Paul George situation. They're trying to trade for another number 12 pick potentially. It's like they're doing so many things simultaneously, which I really appreciate. Um, I think it definitely doesn't hurt to just like, feel out the market and see how things are going. So like when it comes down to draft night and you have an opportunity to make a move, you do it. But yeah, to get back to the original point about Paul George, I don't know what our like end all be all offer would be. Um, 
I I just don't know. It's like Jordan Clarkson, Randall, and a first rounder. Just kind of I don't know why that feels normal, but it just feels that like that's fair. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I feel like other offers like, oh, well, we can do this and we can acquire another lotto and then we could trade that with Clarkson and like a future first round pick or two future first round picks. I'm like, yeah, I guess like that also sounds fair, but who are we bidding against? You know what I mean? Like we can't bid against ourselves. If I was Palenka, I would basically do what he's doing, which is like not like, okay, like you go ahead and think about it and we'll just sit here and wait he's kind of like putting stuff out there. Like you better make a move because these are, you know, the limited assets we have. And if we trade one of them, that's like one less asset for you to, you know, potentially use as a bargaining tool in negotiation. So like, it's like forcing them sort of to make a move, but also like sort of sitting back and just saying like, keep us apprised of everything that's going on. We want Paul George to come, but since there's nobody else you can trade him for, this is our offer. If somebody can beat this offer in your eyes, come talk to us. You know sure. what I mean? And then we'll negotiate from there. But if they're doing that, I just don't see any way why you would need to go up to like, you know, two or three first round picks. Um, although, again, yeah, it seems really stupid. And like that is totally, totally a, just completely stealing Paul George. It's just who are we bidding against is always going to be my question. So so what do we what do we say to those fans who are like just literally don't trade anything just wait for him period no matter what don't even give up like don't even give up a yogurt in your refrigerator for him you know what i mean like there's some fans out there who are saying that and it's like uh no nah, let's not take it that far so yeah what do we say to them Look, opportunity strikes once in a lifetime and you have an opportunity where Paul George literally just said lower the le- lower the leverage down to pretty much if it's not zero, it's like 0.5, you know, and you're just going to sit back and relax and not take it seriously and have a sense of urgency. That's what I would say to those fans. You've got to be kidding me. We're, we are already going in a situation where we're going to have to ship out Jordan Clarkson. If we do get Paul George in free agency next year, we're going to have to make a decision on Julius Randle for his extension. These are guys that look, we love Julius Randle. We love how cut he is this offseason. He's really taken the 7.5% body fat thing to heart. And that's all great. But look, if we get Paul George next year, we're not going to have money to help him out, you know? So we're going to need to ship some of these guys out anyways. And if you can kill two birds with one stone now and do it to get Paul George in one year earlier, have him acclimated to your core of Lonzo Ball, D'Angelo Russell, Brandon Ingram, you freaking do screw that. screw Boston's pick from exactly. us, Exactly. <laughs> you screw Boston's pick. They will never get to touch it because if it falls in the two to five range, they get it. But if we're even like nine, ten, we make it to the playoffs... Boston never touches our pick. And then summer 2018, you can stretch Mozgov, stretch Dang, because Paul George is already there. We are already attracting free agents right then and there. Tommy, what did you have to add? Burn. I was, yeah, I was going to say, I pretty much agree with everything you just said. It's like, there's no, this, you have to think about this as just being like for optics. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. Why don't we wait just a year and he'll, we'll get him for literally free we don't know what the offer is. If it actually is a really low ball offer, even lower than some of the packages we're throwing out right now, it's just for optics. We have to get rid of Jordan Clarkson anyway, like you just mentioned. If we want to sign another max free agent, like have two max free agent signings next summer. So send him to Indiana. Why not? Like it's optically, it looks like, oh, they got a young guard who can score. And like, in reality, we couldn't have kept them anyway. Like send one future first round pick. Okay, again, just optics. Like when the Miami Heat were doing all those sign-in trades, when the big three were forming, 
they were sending teams like future first round picks and and, uh, and like a little uh, what are they called the trade exemptions so that um, just so the teams could get something it was literally just for optics for those teams for those players being like hey if you could help us out like sorry we're leaving and going to Miami but like if you could help us out so we could do a sign in trade and get our still get our max contracts they'll send you like a first round pick as part of the deal you know so it's it's just optics. That's all it is. And like, uh, you have to give up something. You have an opportunity to get Paul George now, even if there's no chance, even if you told me right now, here's the time he's here's a looking glass. And if you look into it, you can see Paul George signing his contract with the Lakers, July 1st, 2018. I think you still do the trade just, just to have him on the team and get that extra year of development. Yep. And then in the meantime, like extra year of development with your young core, and then in the meantime, just like also get rid of an asset that you probably needed to get rid of. Yeah, you eliminate the extra decision making and work that has to go, that has to happen in 2018 when he's signing that contract. And then we're like, oh, we got to find someone for Jordan Clarkson and Julius Randle. What are we going to do? You know, it's a lot cleaner, a lot easier, a lot more simple. So that's why you do it. And I guess another question to ask you guys is, Alan, how much does D'Angelo Russell, Paul George, and Julius Randle having the same agent throw a wrench into things do you think that he'd want all three to be on the lakers or or do you think it it won't be such an issue if at the end of the day mince gets his main guy paul george on the lakers even if it means randall has to come back out oh i definitely think it's the latter you know you have to look big picture we could i mean from mince perspective yeah ideally if he had all of his clients on the same team i'm sure that would bode very well for him but if that's not going to get it done, I mean, there's nothing wrong with set- settling, quote unquote, for just having Paul George and D'Angelo there. So uh, ideal circumstances, I-, I guess it would be nice to have Julius there, but, you know, we're not looking to get too cute here. At the- and Tommy, you had a point about Julius Randle's money as well and how it would benefit his client if he went to a team like Indiana who's rebuilding. Yeah, exactly. I never really understood the oh, his agent is brokering the deal, so he's not going to include Randall in a deal, you know, for the... his agent doesn't represent Rob Palenka and Magic Johnson, you know what I mean? They can do whatever they want, and if that's the best deal, you kind of have to, you're the agent, so it's like you let the team, you do the best you can, and you let the teams decide. Like, in a way, Julius Randall's best chance to get a max extension next summer is to go to Indiana, because he'll be next to a stretch five, who he can like drive and kick to get a lot of good assists um, and like who can cover for him defensively a little bit because he blocks shots and like he'll be pushing the pace with like other young players because they'll be rebuilding and he'll be one of the better players in the team. And um, that will set him up for like a monster year. And if he stays here, he might just be mediocre and get like, you know, four to five million Maybe not five million, but maybe like four million less per year, which is going to add up over time. And also, even if he does well, that's not to say if by 2018 summer free agency, we don't have better free agent options on the market and we wouldn't have to renounce his rights anyways to free up that cap room. Right. So it, it there are ways to make this work for everybody, not just having all the mince guys in L.A. Um, my last Paul George question is. With the race for Jimmy Butler going on, you know, it was reported that Cleveland, Phoenix, Minnesota, and probably Boston in this case, are in the hunt for Jimmy Butler. What do you guys think that does? Obviously, do you think this hurts the Pacers' leverage even more so because these guys are now focused on a guy in Jimmy Butler who has two more years on his contract and they probably prefer to get a deal done there and attention being, you know, siphoned off from Paul George and 
making it a better situation for us. Alan, what about you? What do you think about that? Oh, yeah, definitely. It really does hurt Indiana because there is another guy that these teams can focus on, and it's a much more appealing option for them because there isn't nearly as much risk. Yep. Um, like you said, he's under contract for two years, so um, you would much rather have that than a rental, and he's also really good. Like Some people might even argue that Jimmy Butler and Paul George are pretty much in the same tier of player as far as quality goes. Um, so yeah, that, that hurts Indiana even more so. And you know, it but helps yeah, us. Exactly. And it hurts them because they're under like this self-imposed timeline. And I don't even think it's self-imposed at this point. If Pritchard wants some picks, he's going to have to get this done by draft day so that he has some sort of control in the way that he re- rebuilds this franchise. So there, it's a ticking time bomb over there. And as we've been saying, Lakers are in a good position. We can, we can st- stay chill AF, but also, you know, strike when, when it's time to strike and, yeah, it's just, it's amazing how crazy everything happened on Father's Day weekend. So happy Father's Day, by the way, everybody. Um, as Magic Johnson would say, God is so good because Father's Day and his kids gave him like good presents or something. It wasn't about Paul George or was it? <laughs> dun, 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 dun. <laughs> All right. So I guess my last question before we end on the Jer- Jerry West thing, which we have to get to is... What happens on draft day, guys? Um, Alan, I'll go with you. Who are you picking at number two? Any crazy trade downs? Or are we, do you think we're going to get a late lotto pick? Because obviously we worked out Zach Collins, who, you know, analytics great, but he looks like Andrea Bargnani. He has like the most boring highlight package I've ever seen. And keep in mind, if your highlights are boring, then <laughs> I don't know what to say about you. Anyways, we did work out Zach then Collins. You're then you're boring. <laughs> um we did work him out. Um, if I was at number 10, I would probably pick OG Ananobi instead. But anyways, that's beside the point. Do you think they'll get that late lotto if they do? Is it going to Paul George? Yeah, what do you think is going to happen dra- draft night if you had to guess? Uh, I think we're going to take Lonzo Ball number two. Uh, I I don't think we're going to get that late lotto pick at the same time if we did get it. For some strange reason, I wouldn't be that surprised. I'd be thrilled for sure, though. Um, and as far as what we do with it, I I think putting it into a Paul George package would make a lot of sense. Um, and I just think the irony here is, and this is going to make some people sad, the three of us for the first time in however many years aren't going to be able to watch the draft together. So for that reason alone, as Jonathan, you have said, um, there's probably going to be some really crazy stuff that goes down since we will not be physically with each other that day oh all hell is gonna break loose for sure we'll have we'll have to be texting each other back and forth tommy's gonna have to put a text ban on us because i don't think he'll be able to watch it real time it's just gonna be nuts so tommy what do you think's happening on thursday i think we're going to take uh lonzo big baller ball number two and uh <laughs> I think we are going to trade Julius Randle for a pick in the 8 to 12 range, probably closer to 12, and take Luke Kennard. <laughs> dun, dun, dun! <laughs> no! <laughs> and then we're going to trade um, to get some shooting at the guard position off the bench. And then we're going to trade, uh, let's see, what. no, sorry, we're not going to trade. Yeah, we're going to trade Jordan Clarkson, number 28. And maybe a future first round pick for Paul George. So we're not going to have the 28th pick. So we're going to have Ball, Luke Kennard, and Paul George after Thursday night. Yeah. Amazing. Hell yeah. <laughs> and Luke Kennard is the most likely to make the all-star team out of all. 
<laughs> Hell yeah, AF. Um, okay, so let's end on this. Um, obviously, Jerry West is now a Clipper, which feels dirty to say. It's weird. Yeah, I just wanted to get your guys' thoughts on this. Obviously, we have no idea what's going on, but if Palinka and Magic are as good as their smoke screens and what they've been leaking to the media and they're tangibly able to pull all this stuff off. For me, at least, I'm like, hey, you guys had the balls to say no to the logo Jerry West. These guys are not idiots, right? Like, they know the implications that go with saying no to Jerry West. And obviously, we don't know what position Jerry West actually wanted, if it was a position that would have undermined Palinka or Magic in any way. In my opinion, even if it was a consulting position, it would have undermined them regardless, right? His He has that much power, but we don't know what's going on. So some people that are speculating that, oh, the Lakers are arrogant to like do this. I mean, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Yes, in an ideal world, they would bring Jerry West back no matter what, because he means so much to this franchise and made some of the best moves to get us to championship contention in our history. He's part of our legacy, yes. But there has to be something else going on here. We don't know all the details. And at the end of the day, it at least adds pressure on Palinka and Magic and self-imposes that pressure on them to do something good, you know? They're not dumb. They know that if they screw up and their moves suck, the shadow of the logo will continue to follow them forever. So I'm at least proud of the way that they're confident. I wouldn't even say arrogant. I'd say, well... You know, at least they're confident in themselves and, and know that they want to have some autonomy here. So, Alan, what, what what's your take on this Jerry West stuff? Well, initially, I was definitely disappointed. Um, I think anytime his name gets thrown around, you're going to get excited. So there's disappointment for sure. And then of all teams, it has to be the Clippers. But after, you know, thinking about it, and you and I also talked about it on Friday night, had Jerry West been available when Magic and Palinka were brought in? So let's go back to whatever month that was, like February or March or something like that. Um, you know, maybe it's a different story, but at this point, Magic and Palinka have been working together for several months, building up their relationship, understanding each other as fully as possible. And then you bring in someone else who definitely has a strong personality, again, three, four, five months later. If you're Magic and Rob Palinka, you now have a responsibility to catch Jerry West up mm-hmm. on absolutely everything you've been doing right. since March or so. Does that not kind of postpone your progress? I think it does. And of course, are they going to agree 100% on everything they've already decided at this point? There's no way. So now they have to rehash those old conversations again. They have to... um you know, essentially come to consensus on everything. And at the end of the day, that is sort of a setback. Now, I understand some people would argue, well, if you three people are so smart, you'll just figure it out. And I guess in an ideal world where time is non-existent, sure, that's the case. But at this point, these are pretty urgent times. So that's kind of my take on it is like, I understand why they wouldn't bring him in. It just isn't very practical. Again, more than anything, that door that we always talk of, of opportunity, it just wasn't open at the right time. And if you really try to force it, it could end up doing more harm than good. So at the end of it, I'm disappointed, but I understand why it didn't work out. And uh, ultimately I'm like, okay with it. Yep. I agree. Tommy, what about you? Yeah, I think Alan pretty much uh, said it really well. The uh, The big thing for me was always the timing, like Alan said. And if 
it's not that they didn't want Jerry West to be a part of the organization. It's just the timing didn't work out. And like if you're Jeannie Buss, although she, from what I've been reading, is taking like a lot of heat from fans over this um, and, and some people in the media too, but you like got Rob Palenka to come in here and he like took a leap of faith a little bit. Like he thought like this was sounded like a cool opportunity and you pitched the job to him in a certain way and he left his company that he built and was making like so much money, you know, from every single year and was like doing really well and was one of the most powerful agents in the NBA. He left all of that to come work for your team. And you gave him that opportunity. Magic Johnson has been waiting for 20 years for this chance. And you gave him that opportunity. And then to turn back like three or four months later and be like, oh, now we're going to bring in a guy who's been doing this since Magic, literally since before you were in the NBA. And we're just going to let him like, although I might never say whatever he says goes, he's just going to, there's going to be an aura there. You know what I mean? And it's never going to feel like, this is Rob Polinka and Magic getting their chance to build something. This is just, it's always going to be Jerry West's hand was there, and and that's why it worked out. Um, so I can see why that they wouldn't want to put those guys in that situation. Cool. Yep, that's pretty much our take. Not as incendiary, but maybe it would have been if you had caught us uh, doing this right when news broke. But you know what? There's so much going on that, unfortunately, Jerry West is kind of overshadowed in this case. And uh, yeah, good luck to Jerry, but... You know, it's all Lakers all the time right now, baby. Yeah, yeah. It's all Lakers. Everything's Lakers. It's lit. It's lit. Lit AF. Draft AF. AF. Paul George AF. Lonzo AF. Let's go. Draft is happening. Basketball AF. Basketball AF. Big big baller (laughs) AF. Okay, this is done. But I wouldn't be surprised if by tomorrow this podcast is absolutely obsolete. But you know what? That's the NBA right now. It's, It's insane and we're... We're in for the ride. So with that said, thank you guys for listening. Catch us draft night in a weird capacity. We'll kind of be separate, but we'll find a way to get some sort of recording and reaction to you guys um, because it's definitely probably going to be insane. So once again, follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes because the more you rate and review us, anybody got anything for me? The higher the likelihood Paul George becomes a Laker within the next 48 hours. Boom. Or how about, yeah, let's do that. But like each rating interview cuts down the amount of time we have to wait. So like by the hour, yeah, by the hour, by, by the day. Uh, okay. <laughs> by the hour. <laughs> so we're working with like 48, 72 hours or so. So yeah, rate and review us. So that time span goes down and we get Pritchard in a pinch. All right, cool. Thank you guys for listening. Catch you guys next time. When we have Luke Kennard, <laughs> Luke Kennard, Lonzo Ball, and Paul George. Hall of Famer Luke Kennard. <laughs> That's the dream, baby. <laughs> All right. Alan, Tommy, catch you later. Peace out, AF. <laughs> What'd you say? He said, peace out, AF. <laughs> <laughs> I almost said the actual words. <laughs> All right. Laters. This is what Flo from Progressive sounds like in one of our many hilarious commercials. Hi! 
Did you know that you can get a quarter on your motorcycle insurance in under three minutes at Progressive.com? And did you know that saying hi makes even bad news sound good? Hi, you have high cholesterol. Hi, you're fine. And this hi. is what that same commercial sounds like on your motorcycle. Hi, there's no more cake. Even our commercials sound better on a bike. And with basic policy starting at $75 a year, Progressive helps keep you on yours. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Annual premium for basic liability policy not available in all states. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.